Well, friends, I'm back, and this is fun. I am so glad that I get to talk on a couple of the promises of God with uh, this con- these congregations, and then also I'll be up at Tri-Village one of the weeks. Um, and the, the way this whole thing came about is the teaching team got together about two months ago, and we said, hey, um, what does God want us to do in the summer? And we threw around a lot of ideas. And then we began, I began to talk about how I was depending on the promises of God more than ever in my life. Most of you are aware, those some are not, that I'm struggling with cancer right now. And so I've had to really climb deeply into God. And, and I keep saying God is calling me to be a promise-driven man, not a problem-driven man. And so we thought, well, let's take on some of the 3,000 to 8,000 promises in the Holy Bible, and let's take about 11 of them this summer and really camp on them. And our prayer is that every one of these promises will, will become rich and deep in your life and make a difference so that you can be a promise-driven person more than a problem-driven person. So that's kind of what it's all about. All right, so today I get to talk about um, the one that I have been working on in my life for many years, not just recently, and it is called Practicing the Presence of God. Can God be present with us in our immediate context? Human beings, Stacy, I think I'll have, give you this mic so that Lon doesn't step on it as he moves. Thank you so much. Um, Is it possible to experience the the absolute presence of God in our daily lives? The answer of the scriptures is yes. We were made to have intimate relationships and none of those is more important than God. Now, Marie and I just finished spending two weeks together, and we were together day and night. We went on a train trip across the western United States. We hiked in the Grand Canyon, and then we went to our beloved Palm Springs, where it was just a cool 118 degrees on Friday. But the truth is, we were together day and night, and we liked it. We still like each other. I remember 39 and a half years ago, because that's when we got married, I remember how hard it was during our 18-month engagement to have to go home at night and be separate. It just kind of got after a while like, no, no, we just want to be together. And on the day we got married, February 3rd, 1979, that union began. But even before it began, we longed for it. We long for intimacy and relationships. We have a two and a half year old granddaughter. Uh, Her name is Aubrey. And Aubrey comes over to our house every Friday afternoon. And Marie takes care of her and usually I'm writing a sermon but I pop up quite a bit to hang out with her and such. And and, uh, she enjoys being with grandma and grandpa. But at about 5.15 p.m. every Friday, Coming through our back door with a great big smile on her face is Aubrey's mom, our precious Courtney. 
and you should see Aubrey's face. Her eyes get as big as silver dollars. A great smile comes on her face, and wherever she is in in the room, whether she's playing with toys down on the ground or she's walking about, she makes a beeline. All she wants is to be with her mom. She was made for that relationship. We were made for intimacy. Perhaps you saw some of the stories, some of the good news. We don't often get good news. But some of the good news stories of this week were the reunions of parents and children that had been separated at the border. And you saw this deep, deep union. Why? Human beings were made for intimate relationship. That's never more needed or desired than with God himself. And you may not have really thought of that, but I'm here to say to you, you long for God more than any other reality in your life. And the more you learn to experience his presence, the more joy, more purpose, and the more peace you begin to have. You were made for it. Let's read what David had to say about it. The great King David, the warrior, king, and premier poet of Israel from Psalms 63, one through eight. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Even on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Isn't that beautiful? And that's translation from Hebrew into English, so we use, lose some of the beauty of, of the poetry, but the meaning. Don't you have the sense that David had this awareness of God's presence with him at all times? He talked to him like they'd been married 39 and a half years. It was that near. Did you know you can have that kind of a closeness with God? Or think of Mary from the New Testament, her sister Martha. They're rushing around getting ready for Jesus, their dear friend to visit. And once Jesus comes in the door, Mary plops down at his feet and just listens to him. Luke 10, verses number 39 and 42. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And then Jesus said to her, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Isn't that cool? The deepest need in Mary's life was to be in union, communion, with God 
And she just sat at Jesus' feet. Mary has chosen the thing that's most important. I will never take it away from her. That's kind of nice to know. That the relationship that we can have with God now is something that only gets stronger and stronger and it lasts forever. So you can experience the promise of God. The truth is, if you know Jesus Christ, if you've asked him to forgive your sins, and if you've been born anew, which we call regeneration, then the Bible tells us that Christ is now in you. Eight times in the New Testament, we have the language of Christ being in you. Not just with you, in you. And then 160 times, we have the language in the New Testament that we are in Christ. Christ is in us, we are in Christ. It's one of the most profound realities of what it is to be born anew. God takes up residency within us and we are in him. It it defies our ability of reason and rational language to even try to define it, but that's how close he is and wants to be with us at all times. I like Psalms 139, and I'm gonna spend just a couple minutes in this, verses seven through 12. We have it on the screen, but you also might wanna look at it in your Bibles. And this again is the great psalmist poet writing, and he says, where can I go? from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Do you sometimes wanna flee from God? Do you wonder if you can get away? This is rhetorical. No, you can't. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of Hades, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Again, using poetry, the psalmist helps us understand that God is everywhere at all times and especially in and with those that know and love him. Now here's here's the rub. Why don't we experience that more? Huh, we're gonna talk about that. I I have to share this, I didn't in the first hour because I didn't know uh, I had the time. But one of my favorite movies of all time is E.T. Have you seen E.T., anybody? Have you seen it recently? Man, it's slow. I'm used to the Avengers now. (laughs) It's kinda hard. Yeah, I watched Justice League on the airplane last night. It, you know, and then you watch E.T. and it moves kind of slow. But that ending scene at the end of the movie, when E.T. is going to walk up into the spaceship and go goodbye, Elliot, this precious little boy who has been with him while he's been on Earth, just points at himself and he goes, hurt, hurt. And, and, and E.T. goes, hurt. And then Elliot goes, stay, stay. He doesn't want his friend to leave. And then the classic Spielberg line, 
E.T. takes his finger and it lights up and he reaches over and he touches Elliot's head and he says, I will be right here. And of course, you've got John Williams' dramatic score going on behind you. You're crying and all this stuff. And it's because it unlocks our deepest longing for intimacies. See? You are meant to have that with God. You are meant to have that with God. You can begin to have that with God. Now I'm going to give you three of my favorite passages. Remember how I said I want to be a promise-driven person, not a problem-driven person? And these are three of the scriptures that are guiding my life right now. The first one, uh, as we put it up on the screen, is really cool because it it talks about the fact that, that we can have joy, not despair, and guidance, not confusion. Here it is, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal treasures at your right hand. Both in this life and in eternity, there is joy being in the presence of God. There is guidance being in the presence of God. If you get a formal email letter from me, it will say Lon Allison, it'll have my title, and then it will say Psalms 1611. Because there it is. You make known to me the path of life. You will give me joy in your presence. Eternal treasures at your right hand. Oh, the presence of God brings joy. Oh, the presence of God brings guidance. Oh, the presence of God is never ending. All of that in that one verse. I also like Psalms 89, 15, and 16. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Lord, they rejoice in your name all day long. When you, when you experience the presence of God, you rejoice throughout the day, not lament throughout the day. God is with you. Nothing can harm you. He, 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 he's there, see? And, and he guides you. I just love it. He's faithful, too, even when we desert him. That I choose, Psalm 73, 22 and 24. I especially like the beginning of this. Look how this goes. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Isn't that good news? But don't you sometimes feel that way in your relationship with God? I was senseless. I I was ignorant. I was a brute beast in, in turning away from you and turning to myself. This is the psalmist writing here. And the last thing in the world you deserve if you have been senseless and ignorant before God, if you've been like a brute beast before him, the last thing you deserve is for him to stay with you. But he does. Look at the next part of the line. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you take me into glory. 
that text is for all of us who feel we don't deserve God's nearness. <laughs> it doesn't stop him. My brute beastness doesn't stop him. No matter what you have done, it doesn't stop his love. It doesn't stop his desire to be close and present with you. And finally, the blessing is that it gives us peace rather than fear. And for this, I've chosen a brief little verse from a, uh, a hymn over 100 years old. It's called Day by Day. We, we get peace in being near the Lord. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge upon himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he has made. Joy, guidance, faithfulness, and peace. I like those a lot better than despair, confusion, desertion, and fear. Oh, don't you want to experience God's presence more in your life? I'm teaching on this today not as a specialist, I'm still a novice in this. But I have read some who have walked this path and I find them incredibly beautiful people. Now you might say, well, why is it hard? Lon, why is it hard to, to, to live in the reality of the presence of God? Because the Bible says he's with us at all times. He says he's in us, we're in him. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the scriptures. Why is it so hard for us to live in the experience of it? That's the big question of today. Well, here's the first reason. Because we're sensory built humans. We, we, touch, smell, taste, see, hear. Reality for us is predicated upon the fact of the five senses operating to tell us that something is real. Well, you, you can't see God. <laughs> you, you seldom hear him. And those that say they hear him a lot, we kind of wonder about. <laughs> Taste, touch. Oh, the Apostle John says, we have heard, we have seen, we have touched him and how we long for that. But we don't get that in our day. We believe by faith. We believe by faith that God is here and with us even though we can't see and hear and touch and taste and feel him, right? So that's one. We're limited by the way we've been built. Secondly, theological confusion. I mean, when you think of God the Father, where is he? Well, the scriptures tell you. Finish this text for me. Our Father who, 
Where? Where is he? Well, he's not here then. And how about the son? The son is now what? Seated at the right hand of who? In the heavenly places. He ain't here. You say, Lon, enjoy the presence of God. The Father and the Son are in heaven. Well, yes, but not fully. <laughs> now we get into the beauty of Trinitarian thinking. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They operate in a dimension that's different than our own. Don't anybody sing the Twilight Zone song now? The one in three and the three in one, and there's truth that God is there, but God the Father is also here. It's truth that Jesus is there, but Jesus is also here, and the reason is is because the third member of the Trinity was sent to us by God and is with us all the time. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go away. The Spirit will come and he will teach you all things that I want you to know. He will be, listen to this, from uh, John 14 and verse 17. The Spirit who is truth, Jesus says. All the world cannot accept him, Jesus says, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. We do? Those of us who know Christ, we do? Jesus says, yeah, he lives with you. And he lives in you. Now it's okay to sing the Twilight Zone song. Oh yeah, the world can't know him, but you do. He lives with you, and he lives in you. And since there's one God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all with us at all times, and since spatial terminology doesn't work with them, I don't understand it all. I'll never fully understand the Trinity. But I'm convinced that God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit are all with me and in me now. Wow. I like this very much. Is it easy to understand? No. But is it true? Yes. Sometimes we need to quit asking why questions and simply get around to what. God is with us. The fullness of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, exemplified in the Spirit who has taken up residency in us and we are in him. Whew, wow. Well, what do we do with all this? <laughs> Lon got a little esoteric on us today. But I just want you to know, friends, really for over 20 years I've been studying this promise of the presence of God and in the last few years, it's become much deeper and important to me. My tutor in this is a man by the name of Brother Lawrence, who wrote the second best-selling Christian book in the history of the world. It's a little bitty piece called Practicing the Presence of God. He wrote it in 1666. I've read it at least five times. I've studied it in various versions, and someday I hope to write a little bit on this this promise using Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence um, wasn't a clergyman. 
He was just a regular guy. In fact, he, he was a dishwasher and cook in a monastery. But his walk, sensing the presence of God, was so real that he said, even in my kitchens, you can imagine pots and pans clanging, I feel as close to my Lord as I do when we are in worship and prayer. I go, whoa, that's something I would like. Well, in his brief little book, and also you may, uh, those of you who enjoy the devotional writings of Sarah Young, you'll see in almost every page of Sarah Young this concept of the presence of God. They really get it. Here's some of the things they say to do. So I'm gonna give you practical ways to begin to practice the presence of God. Number one, ready? Ask God for it. How to soak in his presence. Ask God to open your spiritual eyes and ears. Say, well, when do I do this? Do it in the morning, do it in the evening, do it at supper time. Ask God. Aren't we supposed to bring our requests before him? Lord, would you begin to give me spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to sense your presence. We were uh, climbing uh, this week the Pacific Coast Trail outside of Palm Springs. And uh, we did a wonderful hike about a mile and a half in and then we had a nice lunch and we started coming out. And when we were coming out, it was Marie and me and her brother and sister. And um, I, I journeyed ahead of them about a quarter of a mile. Uh, not because I was in the best shape, although I think I was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I just wanted some quiet, but I really didn't want quiet. I wanted to practice the presence of God. So I started walking ahead, and cactus everywhere, and trees, and bushes, and boulders, just great stuff. And I said, Lord, open my spiritual eyes and ears. When I do that, sometimes I do it just walking around my block. Lord, open up my spiritual eyes and ears. Let me not live just in the tangible world. I want the invisible world too. And inevitably, when I do that, God uses something in nature and just pricks me with it. You'll see why I use the verb prick in just a moment. (laughs) Uh, But something, a tree that I just see as a tree, suddenly the colors of the tree just jump into my mind. I know it's not from me. Uh, Sometimes movement, shadows, everything, and and I start experiencing life tangibly in, in nature much more fully because the Spirit is opening my eyes and ears in a unique way. So I'm walking and there's these cactus uh, here, the little ones that are like the paddle cactus, you know? And, and I just, cactus, stay away. Don't want cactus, no, not good. All right, but, but anyhow, I opened my spiritual eyes and there was a, some of the cactuses, there was the beginning of a flower. And as I kept walking, there were now some fully blown flowers, beautiful yellow, just gorgeous. I wouldn't have even seen those. I'd have just seen cactus. God was illuminating his creation simply because I asked him to give me his eyes and ears. And then I thought, well, Marie deserves one of these flowers. So I took out my little pocket knife and I reached down carefully because there's a lot of things that can what? Now's the time for the verb. Prick you, yes, all right. 
And, and I cut it off very carefully and I didn't get pricked by any of the big thorns. It was beautiful. I now held it carefully in my hands. I just explored the colors within the yellow leaves and I thought, I can't wait to give this to Marie. And then I couldn't put it down because <laughs> it was stuck to me. Uh, the thing God didn't let me see is those very thin little pricks that filled my two fingers and my thumb rather fully. So I could just walk the rest of the way with him. <laughs> and I'm getting into the car and I hold it up to Maria. <laughs> I said, you can't touch this. I really can't let it go. Uh, but it's really cool, yes, and I scored. Didn't I score with that, honey? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, but man, later, yeah, there was a lot of, well, anyhow, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I'm fine now. Open my spiritual eyes and ears. Number two, practice. You learn to, you gotta practice the presence of God. That's why Brother Lawrence's book is, is that title, Practicing the Presence of God. And, and Lawrence says that one of the ways you can daily practice is not only ask God to show you himself, but start speaking to him audibly, not just in your mind. He, he suggests even just saying the word Jesus a few times during the day. When it comes to your mind and you recognize that you're kind of living separate from God right now and that's not scriptural reality because God says we're one, and you know, you just go Jesus or Father or Spirit or Godhead. And you speak it out loud, and, and it gives you a sense of the reality of the nearness. Uh, not only the name, but you can also just request that you have. Lord, please help me to do well on this sermon tomorrow. Lord, and Marie prayed it out loud because we had a five hour delay on our plane in Palm Springs. And all I could think about is I'm gonna miss preaching tomorrow. And, and that'll mean someone else has to do it. And, and that will mean they won't be happy with me. Uh, so Marie prayed out loud, Lord, you just take charge of this whole thing. And, and she spoke out loud. And we sensed God's reality and nearness because we chose to be audible. And of course, he met every need that we had. He got us home just fine. And we even got into Economy Plus, and we even had an empty seat between us, and, um, and I even got to watch Justice League, you know. <laughs> so I got that going for me. Uh, you just speak out loud. It helps, you, it helps you live the reality of his nearness. Third, um, give thanks continually. The more you give thanks, it awakens the presence of God, you know why? Because when you think even the last 24 hours in your life, just, just write it down. How has God blessed you just in the last 24 hours? What little and big things have happened? And your list will grow and grow and grow, and you know what? It will make you realize God has been with you, right? And that's where you wanna get. So, practice giving thanks. Persevere. You gotta persevere in these things. Uh, I don't know if you'll receive this as good news or not, but Brother Lawrence said it took him 10 years of practicing the presence for the presence to become a habitual part of his experience. He got to the point, he says, it would be as 
difficult for me to not experience the presence of God now as it was 10 years ago to experience the presence of God. He, his, his whole mind and spirit had been shaped. He lived in what is called simultaneity, meaning living in the tangible, touchable world and at the same time in the invisible world of the presence of God with you at all times. Persevere, it takes time. Number five, imagine his nearness. Imagine his nearness. In my Bible, in the front, front page, my first page is uh, all the people I'm praying for to come to Christ, and then I turn it over past the title page, where my name is, and, and then I have how to live in the presence of God, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different images of Jesus that I use. You say, what are you talking about? Well, well, one of those is when I have my prayer time in my prayer chair and my reading time and my coffee, which is a sacrament, as you know. Uh, there's another beautiful chair Marie's put in this little room and I just imagine Jesus sitting there with me. See, God's given us the imagination. It's a part of our intelligence. And, and God knew we needed to see him. That's why he, the son became human and incarnate. And so it's perfectly appropriate for us to use our imagination to remember Jesus and see him with us. I also, one of my images is just walking with Jesus. And it's always a good time. He's laughing. He likes my jokes. <laughs> and, and it's just, that it, it just helps me not be so worry-driven, problem-driven, because I imagine in my day, he walks right with me. He's smiling. Why? He's got it all in hand. There isn't anything that he can't fix. And so he's just perfectly, he just enjoys being with you. And he'd much rather you let him handle things than you try. I see that. Another one is him holding me. Uh, at times when I'm really sad or afraid, I, uh, one of the pictures I have is of a, a Jesus in his, you know, his robes, his hair, his beautiful brown Semitic face, and I, and I see him just bringing me up and holding me. See, when I was two years old, I fell on a furnace register and got burned, and my, only, my memory is not of the burn. It was of my father wrapping me in a blanket and holding me to himself. And I see Jesus doing that in my life. You must find these images for yourself. But as you do that, let God sanctify your imagination so that the presence of God, which we know to be biblically correct, is, becomes experiential in your life. Well, I hope those things are helpful. Can we count on it? Absolutely. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. Yes in Jesus Christ. And so Matthew 28 and 20, the very end of that passage, I wanna read it to you because you may have never heard it separated from its context. But Jesus says this, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Surely, 
I am with you to the very end of the age. Oh, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ may allow you to practice his presence and experience him in your daily life as your constant companion. Hear our prayers, O oh God, I pray. Amen.